If someone told you that they had been very successful in the investment world by only looking at the markets once a week, would you believe them? In a world where everything and perhaps everyone are becoming more short-term at the core, it sounds counterintuitive that you can run an actively managed trading strategy by only checking for new signals once a week. But nevertheless, that is exactly what Scott Billington and his partners have done for a number of years. And when I spoke to Scott a while back, he shared some great stories and real-life experiences that had led him to this realization and ultimately their unique way of implementing a trend-following approach. And I'm excited to share with you some of the key takeaways today. So sit back and relax and enjoy these unique insights from Scott. And if you would like to listen to the full conversation, just go to toptradersonplug.com forward slash 25 and also forward slash 26. I mean, it's a slightly different uh, topic than, than, than where we start, but I think it's an important one. So I'd like to explore it a little bit. And although you probably know that, that my bias is, of course, also uh, that I think, you know, trend following is is a highly robust and, and sustainable strategy. If I was going to take the opposite side of the discussion here, um, and that is because we obviously hear the argument every time that people say, oh, trend following is dead, and, and out comes the, the veterans of the industry and saying, yeah, we heard this before and it's, it never comes true. But we also know that decompression of or compression of uh, volatility is not great for, for trend followers. And we have to admit, maybe with you as one of the exceptions, but we have to admit that some of the people who've been around for 20, 30 years have had significantly larger drawdowns in the past few years than they've seen in their 30-year career. Some of them have even folded uh, and, and stopped because they thought it was going, it, it was getting, you know, too difficult. So... The question is, of course, can can one always argue and say, yeah, sure, it's going to come back, it's it's going to be fine. I mean, or is there, as you alluded to before, I mean, I, I guess there is always the risk that, you know, markets uh, or, or something um, has actually fundamentally changed. I'm not saying I'm I'm a strong believer here. I'm just saying no, that. I mean, that that's, it's, listen, in the in the midst of any drawdown, that will always be a great and valid question. Mm. And, and I always start by saying, look, there is, I don't know the future. Yeah. I can make my best guess. I would argue vehemently that my guess is very rational. Mm. But just because something has worked doesn't mean that it will work forever mm. across any board. We would be out of business long before there was enough statistical evidence to suggest trend filing didn't work. Right. I mean, if you took the position today that trend following doesn't work, that would be an extraordinarily irrational statement mm. because the empirical evidence before you strongly suggests that it does. Yet a lot of investors take that stand and that's of course my, they do. yeah. Right, but but they they bought tons of collateralized debt obligations. <laughs> right? So they did, yeah. I mean, hundreds of trillions of dollars of them. Yeah. They ran models that, that didn't even have an assumption possibility of a real estate price going down. Mm. And, and again, it's easy to pick on things in retrospect. Sure. But we all also, I mean, we also bought lots of Enron stock, mm. didn't we? 
but if we look at, I mean, if we if we talk about sort of evidence, and 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 I think we both agree that certain market environments uh, is not good for for trend following, and and certainly compression of volatilities is is one of them. So I don't um, know why that I don't our stuff volatility is bad. I, I mean, except I mean, it depends. But you, know, you want volatility post trade entry, right? Not pre. Yeah. So volatility pre trade entry is bad. Mm. And and ultimately, volatility tends to increase as a trend increases. Mm. So I think people have for years, and I have not studied this, so this is a hypothesis of mine, but I think people have totally, it, it's like lightning makes my driveway wet. Because every time I see lightning, my driveway is wet. Mm. Sure. I, I think that that when silver gets to 50, volatility goes up a lot. Mm. But the trend follower has made money because silver got to 50, not because volatility went up. So it's a correlation rather than a causation. Sure. And the best trends, the ones where you make the most smoothest money, are kind of the period right before it goes crazy. Sure. When it just goes up a little bit kind of every single week. Nobody really talks about it for a while, and here it goes and goes. You see what I mean? Yeah. So I, I mean, I think it's a perfect example. I don't think volatility compression. I mean, now if you mean volatility, meaning the high in crude oil over the last two years is 104 and the lows 89, yes, that's not very good. That's sure. a choppy sideways market. Yeah, it's price range compression, I guess. I'm referring. Okay, now to, yeah. then, sure. The, if there aren't big trends, yeah. then trend followers aren't going to do well. I exactly. Would, that, that would be very difficult to argue against. Yeah, no, but I would say this is what people forget is. Your largest drawdown is always in front of you, mm. except you're going to retire or die at some point, <laughs> right? Sure. I mean, I mean, if I had traded, let's say that my grandkids went on to trade our method, there will be a far larger drawdown between now and my great-grandkids trading my model than I've seen in my model up to now because mm. it's more time, Yeah. right? more instances. Sure. Now, there will also be a winning period better than we've seen. Yeah. So the idea that well, someone's having their largest drawdown than they've ever had, therefore this doesn't work, well, did it not work when they had their last largest drawdown? And why did we think they were never going to have a drawdown larger than their previous largest? Because mm. my returns are going to be distributed and, and in any trading, the variance is so much larger than the drift. You got to remember that like two and a half percent of the time, I'm going to be three deviations to the bad. Mm. Well, that's terrible perform. I mean, so I think that, that there are so many things here. I mean, the first is trend following gets held to a standard. If the stock market got held to that standard, the S&P wouldn't exist. I mean, I'll just take us, for example. Sure. We made equity highs in May of 13. Yeah. Okay. And we're probably, I, I don't keep, you know, 15% off that high. Yeah. And you're questioning, or not you, but, but yeah, yeah. one quite like, well, does what you do even work anymore? And, <laughs> and that's where I get back to the statement is, we make our money from the fat tail distribution of price moves, and there's a slight dependency in price moves. Mm. Okay. All trend followers, yeah. we would argue, do. Okay. 
That evidence is evidenced across all markets. We trade yen the same way I trade cotton and cocoa mm. across decades of time. I think AQR did a study that I'm sure you're familiar with that sure. went back hundreds of years, and it doesn't prove, but that suggested that trend following would have worked. Mm. There are definitely anecdotal examples of, I, mean, I can't imagine trend following in Civil War cotton wouldn't have been pretty good, <laughs> and certainly the South Sea bubble and things yeah. like that. So there's reasonable level to, you know, that, that, that this idea of large outlier moves, I mean, the fat tail distribution of price moves is as academically verified as anything that could possibly be. Now, that doesn't mean it has to happen in the future, mm. right? But so you've got this massive body of evidence. Furthermore, I mean, if you think about a scientific, like if you did a chemistry experiment and you said, hey, A plus B equals C, the, the big thing to prove your experiment would be, could your peers run the same experiment and get the same results, mm. right? Yeah. So now think about trend following. It has been almost without question, the most repeatable method of trading probably ever invented. Mm. Not only through all the turtles, but I mean, guys like me, I was like, oh, well, most of these people are trend followers. Let's try that. <laughs> sure. I mean, we challenge, I mean, so we think that whatever it is that made all that work ended May 31st of 2013. Mm. Really, that was the day. <laughs> It's a very, very interesting discussion, isn't it? Because you and I agree on the answer to that, yet most of the world don't. Niels, what I would yeah. say is, is, is it's hard. I mean, obviously anybody can disagree with what they want. Sure. But, but what is your basis for this? I mean, what, lo what is your logical reasoning for the, that change that day? Mm. And then I would simply say like, look, here's the monthly variance of my returns, our performance. I mean, we're not even two deviations to the bad. Sure. In fact, it's shocking that we've done, that we haven't had a worse period, to be honest with you. <laughs> CTAs and trend following, they're really the ugly redheaded stepchildren of the financial world. Right. All the... Markowitz and all those guys and all their bull about efficient markets and all this. The idea that I could slap a couple of moving average on a chart and make money is it's abhorrent to them. Mm. They would want to vomit. <laughs> it's really the case. Sure. I might not make enough for the risks that I, I mean, I don't, but I can turn a profit. Mm. You see what I mean? Sure. And furthermore, these, you know, Massive law. I mean, they're not even that massive. You're talking about being down. I think we lost two percent last year. Hmm. Well, we spent three and a half in 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 transaction costs. Sure. Now that doesn't do a lot for our client. I mean, we obviously hope to do better. But if if your idea is I'm going to invest in trend following, I'm never going to lose more than ten percent in a year. You need to find something else. Yeah. That's not for you. And I'd even go so far to say, and you need to stay away from mark to the market passive investments. Yeah. The reason that that you may have had this small business that has made a bunch of money is no one was in your front yard with a bid and offer on your business every day. Mm. So you didn't see the fluctuations that actually occurred. Same with houses. Sure. I mean, you see what I mean? Sure. So, I mean... 
Warren Buffett gets to have 50% drawdowns apparently on a <laughs> twice a decade. Sure. And, and he gets quoted and, you know, he's, and, and I'm not saying he isn't a marvelous investor, whatever, but what I'm saying is we get held to this standard that it doesn't seem equal. And there you have it. And remember that if you want to listen to the full conversation with Scott, please go to toptradersonplug.com forward slash 25 and forward slash 26. And if you enjoyed this short, insightful clip from a past episode of the show, then you will love the free book I'm giving away right now. It's called The Many Flavors of Trend Following, and it includes some of my best insights on this perhaps the most dependable and consistent yet often overlooked investment strategy. You can get your free copy at toptradersonplug.com forward slash book right now to start your own journey today. Again, just go to toptradersonplug.com forward slash book and make sure to tune back to the podcast or the YouTube channel next week for more exciting and engaging conversations. Until next time, take care.